Welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. We are depressed that we're finishing the Titan's Curse, but it's okay. We'll get over it. (laughs) We've got a lot to talk about and unpack as usual. And our special guest, Julia, is back. You might remember her. So stick around. Okie dokie. Hi, Julia. Hi, everyone. Um, Yeah, I was just saying that you won't need to listen to any of my intros again. There's no more information you'd possibly need to know about me. (laughs) Hello, Carter. Hi. Excited. Ready ready to dive in. Is there, I do want to give you room. Is there anything you would like to say? We haven't seen you since like the beginning of uh, The Lightning Thief. So is there anything that you want to share about the books up until this point? Third books in many series are such turning points, I feel. I feel like it's always the third book where people start to kind of become young adults or like teenagers mm-hmm. rather than preteens. It's it's always third book that the stakes seem to be raised. People have to make decisions that invoke a lot of maturity. Um Mm. romantic plot lines uh-huh. start coming into dark plot lines too there is a lot here and i'm excited yeah and perhaps would your reference would you be referencing the canon in the way of not only harry potter but perhaps the cats series that you <laughs> i'm just curious about how dare what? you yeah, so erica hates uh that me and another friend like warrior cats to be clear not just me Carter it's is also, also me. with me on this one yes i'm Do a warrior's anti <laughs> let it be known <laughs> um honestly I, I don't remember for warriors but i think it's also a five book model and third book is like yeah third book is when shit gets real like you're past the intros and like the awkward child that is usually the second book and you've kind of come into your own by the third book i feel um i would like to continue to discuss what it means to form your own canon at some point keeping that in mind okay full disclosure we tried to we tried to get all the way through chapter 15 with our last guest alex and we literally we literally went so over time we couldn't do it so julia you get the special honor of discussing the damn chapter i love that i thought it was so funny that was my favorite joke in the books maybe yes truly i used i think i made carter laugh until the age of like 17 by just saying the damn joke over and over again so that means that it was it was very potent. I <laughs> yes. Yeah. It it does I, I think like the the superstructure around it it packs a punch. That's I don't need to justify myself. Let's <laughs> Um, and also, uh, shout out to being back at the American Landmarks. Yes. Um we're at the the Hudson River Dam. I didn't know that that was a thing before this these books. So I will also say that Percy Jackson was a great education in national monuments and, and landmarks yep. yeah it's so sweet how they're all like oh if only annabeth were here and they start spouting facts about <laughs> oh. the dam that they all learned from annabeth and we're like oh we feel your presence we want you back yes. soon anyway a bunch mm. of stuff goes down here uh, uh bessie appears in the body of water the zombie cops are back i can't think of anything worse and then um they split up because they're going to the snack bar, whatever. And then Percy's mm-hmm. like getting attacked and he goes in the elevator. As we've mentioned before, never go in elevators. Terrifying. But who do we meet? We're in the elevator. We meet Athena. But like also Percy doesn't like fully. He, he He's like pretty sure it's Athena. He just thinks it's like some wise park ranger who's like kind of like cracking some jokes. You know, riding on him for not listening to the presentation. <laughs> um, which ugh, iconic Athena energy. Yeah, for Disney Plus, this is such a look for Athena. 
like Athena dressed up in the park ranger outfit like I I think that's gonna be iconic yelling at a tiny boy for not listening to her educational presentation Presentation. yes Yes. she shows up she's keeping her eye on this quest because of obviously it's about her daughter in some ways she gives them like the advice that they need to like figure it out but also like Percy again like she doesn't like reveal herself and say what the other gods do which is fascinating in its own way as well where she like doesn't want it to be like about her or like her wisdom she just like has things that she needs percy to know she provides him with that information he doesn't even put together that it's her until like the end and also he's still not sure they're like down in turbines of the um of the dam where the electricity is generated with the skeletons trying to escape and it's it's time for one of the most unfortunate um (laughs) late in series entrances of a new character it's rachel elizabeth dare <laughs> this is yeah. like this is like when Toph enters Avatar, but it sucks. <laughs> Except Julia, Julia has hot takes. Why does it suck? This is this is in fact, I guess, without me knowing, the hottest take I have on the Percy Jackson series. It truly is. I don't hate Rachel Elizabeth Dare. Like I, these guys tried to characterize me as pro Rachel, and I wouldn't say that. In that, I'm not pro Rachel mm-hmm. getting together with Percy. I'm not. Okay, pro, certainly like, not. That wasn't. I don't think that was even on the table. Frankly, not, it wasn't on the table. No. Okay, okay, but just why? Why do we hate Rachel Elizabeth Dare? Like she's not. She only ever tries to be helpful. Usually, she is. She can. She has a lot of power, even though she's not a demigod. Yeah, and her biggest crime is maybe delaying the getting together of a guy and a girl like Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know i i don't i can't hate rachel elizabeth dare she seems fine i i think that like hating rachel is one of those things that like as a child like i don't i didn't hate rachel as much as i like i don't know I, i think like to your point there was a point in my life where i had to be like interrogating why I didn't like Rachel that much because it, it like there is a level on which Rachel is sort of tropically presented as like the other woman mm-hmm. which we don't love we're women who support other women here in this mm-hmm. podcast <laughs> like also yeah also shout out to that like yes we 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 are we, we we're women to support other women we're not gonna we're not gonna do that but also like I think that like looking back on it it's not like I feel like Rachel's an unethical character certainly nothing she does is wrong it's just sort of at the level of I would not be friends with Rachel. I don't think that her personality vibes with me. Like her humor, her I don't know, too her... rich daddy art school. Yeah, yeah, yes. There's a certain approach to her privilege, both in terms of her wealth, but also her outsider positionality to all of this. That there's a degree to which she could walk away from the world of these heroes and is very cognizant of that. And I think kind of. Pl- pl- plays with that that power to leave that made me that does make me a little uncomfortable and also i i feel like there are also valences that are difficult to totally extract from the other woman trope to rachel that are like guys girl in nature that also are a little huh, for me um yes. <laughs> i should stop talking yeah i agree with all of that i i do think that it is it is important to acknowledge that part of the reason i never liked rachel is because of my own internalized misogyny. And reading it mm-hmm. back, she didn't irritate me. Reading the whole series back, obviously, because she's going to become more important in the next book. She didn't irritate me as much. <laughs> she does a lot of work. Like, we could not get mm-hmm. through these books without her. We needed her. 
I like that we get a new character in this book. I think that's fun. But I just, mm-hmm. I can't with her privilege. I can't with... Giant Manhattan. <laughs> and it's so apartment jarring. complex. Yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, my life is hard. Like, my dad, like, you wouldn't get it. I don't know. I just don't. I can't. I can't. Something about... I'm sorry. This Maybe I hate women, but something about girls who draw on their jeans <laughs> is such a no for me. Julia, Julia, do you have something you'd like to share with this moment? A friend just painted jeans for me. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> they look really cool. But hey, she like painted them with like actual designs. It's different. A... It's not the same okay, thing. It gives me a little bit of like Alex Russo, Wizards of Waverly Place energy. Like, I'm a guy's girl, except for uh-huh. I was obsessed with her. But like, I don't know. I really... I didn't hate her as much this time around. I I don't hate her. I don't want to say hate, but like she is just factually irritating. And yeah, like this is podcast is about Persebeth. So I don't see why it is out of character for me to be very upset about the plot line between Rachel and Percy, especially when he meets her in this book where Annabeth is very much not there. Yeah. And it's yeah. just laying. And we just met Aphrodite who was like, things are going to get complicated, boo. And it's laying the groundwork. It I mean, don't get me wrong. Me. We would much rather Annabeth be present than than Rachel, yeah. but I, I do like really want to sit with the discomfort though of like having us all ask ourselves like why why we don't like Rachel and yeah. like it's important investigating that because there's definitely like levels of internalized misogyny. There's definitely levels of like the irritation with Rachel being the way that Percy sees Rachel and being really like mad at Percy and the fact that he is yes. a man whose loyalty is like not all there, mm-hmm. whose hormones are a little raging and, and like be, be, being, being clear and deliberate about placing that anger on, on Percy and not and Rachel not because Rachel. of her yeah. positionality as like an ob. Yeah. Anyway. I agree. We'll have to, we'll <laughs> revisit it. We'll revisit our own internalized misogyny as we get to know her more and force ourselves God. <laughs> to put our anger on Percy and not yes. on her. At this point, you might be confused if you're reading in time with us about why we had this long conversation. We spoil a lot of things here, so you shouldn't be. But like, <laughs> at this point, all that happens with this girl, whose name we barely know, is that Percy, tri- like Percy, mistakenly thinks that she's one of the like undead warriors, slashes her with a sword. She survives, obviously, because she's immortal, but she can see it. And that's a fascinating juxtaposition that, even though we have seen it before, we haven't acknowledged or thought about. Um, in that it is someone who clearly is fully mortal because she's unaffected by celestial bronze, but can see everything that's happening. And it seems even conceded more clearly than Percy, because we get this little tidbit about how his Mimian lion coat is turning back into a lion coat when she points it out. And she sees it that way, which even Percy does it, right? So she has super good sight and helps Percy get out of a situation because she also implicitly trusts him and believes that he's a good person who needs and deserves her help in getting out of this tricky situation. So she buys him some time. And she gives him her phone number. Also that... It's okay. No, it's fine. She's <sighs> She knows what she wants. That's fine. We're not going to disrespect her for that. Anyway, well, let's... It's time to move on. Um, <laughs> uh, once Percy meets back up with Talia and Zoe and Grover, um, they're like, they have no way to escape. Talia ends up praying to Zeus for help here for the first time. Like, it seems like maybe ever. Like, she's never really asked mm-hmm. him for help. And then the broy statues, Chuck yeah. and Hank, flies out of there. This this was Athena's advice for those of you keeping track at home. Basically, that Talia should like pray to Zeus for help yeah. to help them escape. Yeah. Also, a quick shout out to Grover being Grover again. His idea of how to get them out is a food fight with burritos in the middle of the damn snack bar. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> 
while they're flying out with Chuck and Hank, Talia and Percy talk about the fact that he just met Rachel. Um, Talia's like, IDK, bro. Like, some mortals can just see through the mist. And Percy's like, oh my god, like, my mom. Which is interesting. We're just building on the fact that, like, this group of people exists. Might be important later. Also, Stan Sally, just another reason why we love her. <laughs> um, and then they they make it to... Uh, the touristy part of San Francisco. There are peers there. <laughs> yes. They're, they're in the touristy part of San Francisco. And once again, I don't know, homelessness is a punchline here. Zoe is like, act homeless. They uh. go to the thrift store, dress Percy up so he looks homeless, whatever that means. I, uh, um, Apollo told him to go talk to the old man of the sea, which is Nereus. And Zoe was like, I know how you got to do that. He finds him. They like wrestle. He gets the information that he needs, which is where the beast is. But I do want to pause for a second and discuss this Poseidon versus Nereus dynamic. Other than Cronus's voice, we met the general, which is the first Titan. And then we're start we're meeting Nereus, like the old man of the sea as our only other frame of reference for this like Titan versus God's war that is like trying to have a revival Mm-hmm. in this series um and the nereus calls poseidon like that upstart who like took my job or whatever and i think it's just important to note that like rick wrote in the fact that poseidon was not like born with the right to rule the sea right like mm-hmm. they divided zeus divided everything up after they won the war and poseidon like took over that power but because like oceanus and like helios were on the side of the gods during the titan war they ended up like not being thrown into the pits of tartarus they're just kind of there and like had jobs and then didn't Mm -hmm. have jobs and it's just weird this is kind of like what happens with helios right like or helios fades because like humans forget him because apollo takes over or something yeah it's just weird it just seems like i I don't i don't know maybe this is a weird take but it seems like disrespectful of our elderly i don't know we just like they're just kind of there and like they we just like don't pay attention to them and then they lose their jobs and then we disrespect them and wrestle them on the beach for information and they're like literally leave me alone and then they just kind of disappear so yeah i just want to mention that (laughs) that's i agree with that take more reminders that the gods aren't everything and there are options and we're going to see people struggling with those options. So Percy's like, where's the beast? We find out that this whole time, the monster that they've been chasing is sweet, sweet little Bessie, the cow serpent, whose name is actually the Ophiotaurus. Moo. Moo. She mooed happily. He mooed happily. We love yeah. a genderqueer cow serpent. Well, per- Percy Percy has assumed that the uh, Ophiotaurus was female. I don't think we ever actually get a reveal of the Ophiotaurus's own thoughts Opinions. about gender um although if your terrorist doesn't doesn't really talk per se but um but everyone else genders the Ophiotaros as male it's just that percy perhaps has certain associations between animals and gender reminding us of course that gender is a lie you know, g- gender is complicated gender is about perception gender is about identity gender is about lots of things um, i kind of really appreciated that we ended up continuing to call the Ophiotaros bessie even though it like catches on, Heike, like later, like Poseidon may or may not refer to the Ophiotaurus as Bessie as by the Bessie. end of the book. So. <laughs> yes. I believe I believe that the Ophiotaurus's name is Bessie. They mood happily. Um, Percy is like the Ophiotaurus's protector. We get mm. this information, which is kind of cute. We get it from Grover because Grover again can talk to animals. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. Grover does let us know that the Ophiotaurus does identify as male. That's my bad. Oh, you're right. <laughs> There's like, there's a little bit of this backstory. Zoe's like, oh, I get what's going on here. Gosh, Mm -hmm. darn it. 
the the Ophiotarsus famously, there was a prophecy that if you slayed it and sacrificed its entrails, then whoever did that would have the power to kill the gods. So mm-hmm. originally when that happened, the gods like snatched the entrails away. But now mm-hmm. that it's back, there is a possibility that this beast that there was so important hunting could be used to mm-hmm. win the war that hasn't even begun yet. So yeah. very important. We have to keep it safe. There's this like super cool line here that is very important to us especially given the reading that we are pushing the most heavily for this book, which is that Zoe says something like there's a, there's like a dark power in like innocence or like, and like basically the point that Zoe's making here is that like, like this whole time they've been looking for a giant God slayer, right? Like something along the lines of Typhoon. The the gag Mm. with that is we knew the whole time it couldn't have been Typhoon because everyone knows where Typhoon is. Typhoon's like underneath a giant volcano. We would all see him coming. Like the, the, the point is that like the power here is in sacrifice. It's in like yielding. It's, like a different kind of power, which as 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 we're thinking about the hero narrative, is it, important for us to remember that like sometimes like the most dangerous and most important power is in is in assisting, it's in bolstering, it's in like sacrifice, um, in innocence, as they say here. Um, in this moment, also important to note that Talia Percy like makes a comment about how Talia looks hungry when they're talking about the story of overthrowing the gods. So she might have some internal conflict brewing. Um, and we know that there's still this question of who who is the demigod of the prophecy? Is it is it Talia or is it Percy who has the power to preserve or raise Olympus? So that's and important. If it is Talia, then it's coming up soon because her birthday is the 22nd. And it's like, what, the 20th right now? Like... Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Percy's getting, Percy's a little bit worried. Um, that's going on in his brain. Um, and But then pretty much immediately, freaking French manticore guy is back. Julia, you like France. Oh my god, yes, Julia, defend <laughs> France for us! Defend France and the movie Ratatouille for us, which we've been savaging ever since this French manticore appeared. Yeah, if you don't speak now, like, we're gonna, this podcast is gonna turn into serious anti-French anti-French sentiment. No, I support anti-French sentiment. Like, I personally enjoy spending time in France, but I don't think that as a value judgment that we should be pro-French and yes, he's truly is. But anyway, he shows up with more zombie cops uh, again. And Percy has this idea. He Iris messages camp and he's like, Dionysus, like you are a god. You just appeared floating like thousands of feet in the air earlier in this book. Can you please help us? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe if you say please. Um, and then he like snaps his fingers and everyone goes crazy and like wa- like vines appear and we for the first time see like Dionysus's like power. Yeah, madness. Madness is a is a big one. They're, they're like if, if you look at like the most powerful people in ancient Greek mythology, shout out to like Dionysus's believers because it's ba- them. The Bacchae, the, the Bacchae who like murder people all the time and Constantly. beat them to death with clubs and are and also are naked <laughs> and run around the woods. Yes, powerful stuff. Yeah, we, we should probably also note that, like, um, Mr. D, like, he, per, Percy isn't try, trying to reach Dionysus. He's trying to reach someone helpful. Um, yeah. Mr. D is who he's stuck with. But we have to, I guess, interrogate that a little bit. Although, like, Dionysus in this book is, like, it's complicated stuff. He he, yeah. he vacillates a lot. Also, we, we, we the Talia stuff. Yeah, before all that happens, though, uh, <laughs> there's a there's a moment where... Uh, Thor, Thorne is, like... Talia, the prophecy can be yours. The man, like the Ophitaris is right here. Literally, like kill it. Like you have all the pieces that you need. We're ready. Yeah, you can do it right now. Yes. Yeah. 
and uh, also like join Luke. You know, we all have our emotional attachments to Luke, especially Talia. <laughs> join Luke, choose Luke. And like Talia is looking confused and dazed. She's not doing She's, anything. She's like tempted. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary. And Zoe's like, Percy, you need to like jump in the ocean, protect Bessie, call Poseidon. But of course, yeah. Percy cannot do that because that goes against his nature. Um, and instead he's like, no, I have to, I have to fight with you guys. You know, like Zoe is yeah. right, but I, I just can't do it. I can't leave my friends. More character development. Also, shout out to Zoe for like making the objectively correct decision in the situation quickly, efficiently leading the team, but also being disobeyed. Uh, anyway, it works out. Yeah, it works out. There's a little character development from everyone here. I personally still didn't like Mr. D after this moment. Um, I felt like this moment was a little bit tropey, like the way that Rick is trying to paint him as guy who doesn't care and is alcoholic, but like actually does care and like has a sweetheart, been a softy this whole time. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Feels tired to me. Yeah. <laughs> especially because like he that. does raise a lot of valid critiques that like he doesn't especially see answered, I feel like in Percy at this point, like personally. And also we'll, we'll circle back to this, but for those of you keeping track of how Mr. D is one of the Olympians who votes to ambiguously maybe kill Percy at the end of this book so um uh, yeah anyhow <laughs> anyway they they make it out of there and they're like okay gotta get to the mountain um the garden of the oh frick which yeah by the way this, zoe zoe has all the answers zoe knows where they need to go they need to go to her home the mountain of the hesperides okay i also thought it was hesperides good for us we are growing <laughs> we are learning getting better at our cold readings the hesperides which zoe is do we know at this point yeah zoe is one yes. of them Anyway, nymphs of the sunset. Sometimes uh, there's they were thought to be like live past the sunset in the west. Um, mm -hmm. They're like one of the older myths. They're children of we're about to find out, um, and they were in this garden with Leda the dragon, protecting the golden apples on Hercules's like I think it is his eleventh yes eleventh labor. labor yeah where this gets where this comes up. So again, tracking the Hercules thing, they they try to walk all the way to Mount Tam, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. They're like, okay, the one thing we can do is send Bessie back to Camp Half-Blood to be protected. So Percy's like, maybe, like, they're like, maybe Percy should do it. And Grover's like, no, I'll do it. I'm the only one who can talk to Bessie, but we need to pray to Poseidon. Zoe's like, you have to pray to Poseidon for a safe travel. And also you need to make mm. a sacrifice yes. in order to do that. Yes. Um, and Percy in that moment is like, all right. <laughs> I, I, I understand, finally. Finally? He also, like, hasn't fully put the pieces together on this. Like, he, he didn't realize that Hercules was the hero that Zoe was talking about and in the story. Now he realizes, and... <laughs> Aw, don't <laughs> and so he, he, he sacrifices the, the, the Herculean trophy of the Nemean lion fur, right? Like, which gave Hercules impenetrability, like, invulnerability to weapons through all of his quests. He says, I'm not Hercules, and he gives that up. He makes himself vulnerable, differentiates himself from Hercules while Zoe is, like, watching or, like, mm -hmm. avoiding eye contact, but clearly very interested in being, like, ah, uh, we're going back to, like, the site of my, like, you know, loss of family at the Literally hands of triggering. Hercules. So triggering. And he pulls through. Yeah, so finally, after, like, we've mentioned so many times in the past couple episodes, like, dumb boy move after dumb boy move that Percy is pulling in this book, he finally mm -hmm. makes a little bit of a shift towards this may have worked for Hercules, but it's not going to work for me because I'm not going to be like that. And I really mm -hmm. appreciate that, like, um, even though Rick doesn't, like, outright point out all the crappy things about Hercules, like, he uses mm -hmm. the story of Hercules and Zoe to point out the fact that Hercules was not 
all that. And that a lot of these mm -hmm. male heroes from history are not all that. And Percy is going to turn away from that tradition, which we mm -hmm. need in order yes. to like consciously continue to support and love him in the way that we do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love you, King. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> Beautifully said, yes. So Percy's just going to be better than all the, all the <laughs> stupid boys. We'll see. Hopefully he can prove himself coming up. Anyway, big moment. That happens for him. Um, but they still need a way to get to the mountain now that Grover and Bessie are gone. Um, and they're like, you know who we know who lives in San Francisco? Dr. Chase. Yep. It's time for a visit to Annabeth's parents to um, see if they can get a car. More um, new characters. Yes. Also, what we a cute tween trope. <laughs> we have to go we have to go get the car we have to go we get can... the car meeting the parents yes so 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 they go they find them and basically like tldr like percy zoe and talia like when they see this they're like surprised frankly because yeah. annabeth for the like you know you remember she ran away from home because it was such a bad experience for her as a seven-year-old that's that must have, like, we were expecting, like, advanced suffering. We're expecting all of these people to be monsters. Abusive. Maybe we're stealing the car. But, like, it seems sort of chill. Like, it's not apparent to Percy, at least when they're there, what the problem was. It smells like cookies. They walk yeah, around. Yeah, we're getting, like, like almost likely domestic yeah. um, picture here. I would say in terms certainly of, comic. Certainly yeah, comically. Like, the parents are like a little absent-minded, but like helping each other out. They bake cookies or sandwiches. They all have like fun. The kids hobbies, are fighting over the Legos. Yeah, yeah. The dad has like quirks, uh, <laughs> like in terms of his like little like battle models and stuff. Like it's just a, like a fleshed-out family that we don't see that much like cruelty from. Like yeah. maybe like hints of neglect and that the dad is pretty involved, but he doesn't seem like he's like that much of a bad parent to Annabeth's like right. half siblings. Sorry, yeah, I, I get the sense that this kind of fits in with. Um... Annabeth taking a direct stance and pissing off Hera um, in that it's the perfect family trope. Like, maybe they actually mm -hmm. were not mm. abusive to Annabeth in the way that we're imagining, but this internalized feeling mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm different, I'm unusual, I don't fit into the classic domestic picture of, like, mm. American suburbia. <laughs> Period, yeah. That's really, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that. I just remember that this part of the book always confused me and I didn't, I never really thought about it further. It's going to come up a little bit later. I realized that I hadn't noticed before, but it is weird. It's like, especially because Annabeth talked about how her stepmom specifically treated her terribly and didn't mm -hmm. accept her. But the mm -hmm. moment they mention that Annabeth is in trouble, her stepmom is like, looks concerned. Yeah. Also, I don't even, I don't know what to do with this, but like, she's Asian that's one of the first mentions of specifically of like race in these books. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's, it's the first time we've gone explicitly like an Asian American character in the books. And it's the stepmom specifically in a family where like, it's a stepmom in the, in the like Athena family, which is. Mm. Anyway. I just, <laughs> we can make the inferences about the stereotypes that that might be playing on. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that reading though, Julia. Like that that definitely yeah. like clarified some things for me. Um and is sort of more I I don't think that it makes sense to read Annabeth as like delusional or lying about this. Right. But also we can't deny like what we're seeing. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, I mean the feelings are absolutely real, but they aren't mm -hmm. coming from like the individual bad intentions yeah. of the stepmom. It's more just this family mm -hmm. structure which she yeah. cannot comfortably yeah. be a part of, and that's really alienating. Yeah, also, yeah. I mean, being being a kid and realizing that you're, like, being that young and realizing that your mom is a god, 
and like that now like she's gone and you have this other mom and you have these other half siblings and like i'm being the oldest like all of that is enough to Mm -hmm. feasibly make drive her insane yeah anyway we get to know dr chase who is delightful um described later as having like mad scientist energy which i really like for him i like for athena also that like this is what she's into i think that's cute that like he's not like a (laughs) neurosurgeon he's like this quirky guy who's like obsessed with history and is really smart but also plays with toys it's kind of fun tldr the the parents are like willing they like give these young teenagers who are not of legal driving age or legal driving certification access to their family vehicle um to go rescue anaba yes which they do zoe drives them off through san francisco traffic (laughs) yes um they make it to mount tam like barely in time they realize that mount tam is also the modern equivalent of the mountain of despair which Mm -hmm. is the prison of the titan general that we have learned yes. about um this is where he was imprisoned Th- this is weird this is not like this is not inevitable this is not one of those like oh this american equivalent goes with it like it, <laughs> what's weird about this is the combination right that like that yeah. hesperides garden is in the same place as mount orthus like that's what is weird. happening a lightning bolt comes out of the sky and tries to strike talia and we're like was that zeus and percy's like no it had to have been Kronos. personally i'm pretty sure it was zeus i don't know literally it's so unclear we never get <laughs> We never get closure Forgot on that. Forgot that we didn't get an answer. Yeah. I still think it was Zeus trying to knock his daughter out before she kills him yeah. on her 16th Especially birthday. Especially because, like, yeah, yeah, her 16th birthday is coming up. And, like, a reminder that the, that the like, prophecy for this specific quest is that someone's parent is going to kill them. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, lots going through Talia's mind. Percy's trying to cheer her up. She's like, literally, just shut up. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, and then we, we get to the garden. Percy is like, oh, yeah, these are Zoe's sisters. Also, Zoe's beautiful. Okay, whatever. Hormones. Um, Zoe, they, they clearly do not respect Zoe because she betrayed them many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, and, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the only, yeah, for a man. Yikes. Um, the only way that they're going to get past every the dragon, the garden, the Hesperides, all the way up to Mount Tam, Mount Sarah, which they need to, is um, Zoe's like, I'm going to distract the dragon. You guys go. And in a very pivotal moment for Percy, he is like, no, I have to attack the dragon. It's going to be me going with the choices that he's been making in the rest of the book. But then he doesn't. He is Mm -hmm. like, he does not. He's like, uh, he's like, let me take a moment and critically remember my history, which is Mm -hmm. something Annabeth would tell him to do and be like, okay, (laughs) Hercules failed at the head on attack. I saw that Mm -hmm. in my dream. So I'm going to listen to Zoe. He -hmm. is not Hercules. Very good. Yes. Ten points proving us already after this code sacrifice. He is moving on. He is going to be better. Let me say now how much I love Zoe. Just yes! one of the best characters. Yeah. Ugh, icon. We honestly, I don't even think we've talked about it enough. Let's, we love Zoe. Take a moment. We should pause on that. Let's let's settle with that. Like Zoe like is, I think, of the characters, like of the many things we love about her, she's the only person who rivals Annabeth in terms of knowledge. Maybe mm. because she's so old but like mm-hmm. that is like regardless of the reason like that's like it is iconic how much she knows how much wisdom and experience and know-how that she has that she yes. can like subdue this dragon even though her, her sister sort of can and like basically no one else can like that's yeah yeah i was realizing yeah. when i reread titan's curse i always have really really loved talia for like a bunch of obvious reasons but I forgot how little content that she actually has in the books. Like she was a much bigger character in my mind yes, uh, than yes, on the yes, page. Yes, yes, yes. But I realized upon rereading that I was kind of combining Tali and Zoe. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah. That is I feel a great that. observation because of what we know. They definitely go together. And like in this book, like they're written, I, I would say like from the beginning, like not from the beginning of our introduction to Talia, but like from the moment that we meet Zoe, like we get their relationship as sort of like pairs that we understand them as foils, as people mm. who like are like of comparable levels of like power, responsibility, like, but that have like slightly different worldviews. Yeah. We love Zoe. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Sad. Um, <laughs> sad. Okay. They make it past the dragon. Um, Zoe's injured, but mm. she's like, let's push on. Once they get to the top of the mountain, um, they see that Mount Othrus, the Titan Mount Olympus equivalent, basically, is mm-hmm. reforming, which is very bad. Very, mm-hmm. very bad. <laughs> yeah. Level 10 bad. They see Artemis. She is holding up the sky. She, Artemis yes. is, can just like barely gets out. It's a trap. And then we get, of course, good old-fashioned Luke Ambush, part 305. <laughs> Luke is there. Luke is, it's a Luke Ambush. Um, <laughs> he looks terrible yet again, following, mm-hmm. following the formula. It's a Luke Ambush. He's carrying the golden sarcophagus that we know is like where Cronus is reforming. Um, Luke looks literally like crap. Um, Atlas is Zoe's father. What, what else happens here? Annabeth is there. <laughs> oh, frick, yeah. This moment always, I feel like we glaze over it. Annabeth shows up. Like, I yes. mean, that's, they have Annabeth. Which, They're important. Like, we've been, we've been looking for her this whole time. We found her. But also, like, suboptimal conditions. Annabeth, like, Percy's, like, looking at Annabeth, and she's, like, she has, her hair is streaked with gray now after she was holding up the sky, and she's looking like it's a trap. Like, like, be careful. But Percy's, like, all I could do was stare at Annabeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're, like, yeah. okay, well. Aw. Aw, but, but also, also... stakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't want that right now. And then, basically, uh, Ar- Artemis is stuck there holding up the sky. Zoe, reunited with her father. All of this stuff is happening. Percy's yes. staring at Annabeth. And Luke and Talia have this conversation, which turns into a full-blown bo- yeah. epic battle between these two super powerful This is the first time they've met since, like, Talia's back. Yeah. Yeah. And... They had an emotional relationship when they were kids. Luke is like, it's good mm-hmm. to see you again. And Talia is like, no, like, this isn't yeah. you. Yeah. This is not you. <sighs> yeah. This is really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I feel so much for Talia in this moment. She's like incredibly overwhelmed with emotion. This person who she has been kind of defending throughout mm-hmm. this book. Like, I know Luke again, like taking that Annabeth stance, like he can change. Yeah. And then in this moment, she's like, no, he can't. Percy's like, I can yeah. sense a sense of desperation in Luke. Like he wa- he mm-hmm. knows that this is a way that Talia is gonna like save herself or maybe save him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then together they charge and huge epic yeah. full-blown battle. Um, they realize that like the Princess Andromeda is like parked down below, and there's like a ton of there's a huge monster army. Um, the half-bloods like stand no chance. The the the, the team, the quest team stands yeah. no chance against Atlas, who is literally a Titan. Zoe is like doing her best, but she doesn't her powers can't even match up. Atlas is Atlas. like not just a Titan, like importantly, Atlas is the most powerful Titan, more powerful than Kronos, more powerful than anyone else. That's why he's the general, that's why he held up the sky. Yeah. Like literal brute strength. Yeah, it's there's some line like two thousand years of training kept Zoe alive, which I think was like yeah. so epic, like in um, calibrating what this battle is like for them. Um, mm-hmm. And then Percy is like, you know what? Like a moment of cleverness, mm-hmm. very smart. He sees the fact that like they have they stand no chance, but the only you know who could is Artemis, and yes. so he convinces her to let him take the sky. Yes. <laughs> May I say best moment in the series? Oh, okay, I don't know if I go that far, but this is 
high key iconic. I, th- I like to believe that Percy oh would not God. have done that had he not known that Annabeth had, you know. Yes, because mm, yeah, yeah, there's so much in that. There's like a solidarity with Annabeth. What else? I like wrote some notes here. There's solidarity <laughs> with Annabeth. I feel like this for me is the climax of our like Percy, you are not the hero. Yes. Phase one um, yes. of the series is that he's basically saying like, I can't do this. I need to take a supporting role. I need to let like a more capable woman take over for me. I need to like, like it, it's, it, there's so much, it's like the idea that service work is valuable and that like shouldering burdens the is burdens, like, yeah, absolutely. Yes, exactly. That shouldering a burden is like, in some cases, like what you should actively choose to do rather than like, that is the, the, the hero's choice to bear the burden. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to take this glory and continue to be head on with my attack. Like, I realize I don't have the power Mm -hmm. in this moment to save us. And so I am going to, in a way, sacrifice myself because he doesn't know when he takes the sky that he's going to survive that kind of weight. Most people would die. So again, playing with the sacrifice thing. Yeah, passive choice that you could make. It's an absolute yielding, but like yielding that has such strength and requires such strength within it. And symbolically, I think it's just one of the the best moments of the series. You make me cry. Oh, yes. <laughs> that made me oh. so emotional. <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god. Yeah. <laughs> we live for characters and books that are people we aspire to be. I don't know. Yeah. I just they yeah. give us that restore our faith and humanity and civilization. Yeah. I don't know. This is also like in addition to all those things like just <laughs> by the numbers like one of the most badass things that he does like Amen. Power and skill-wise also throughout mm-hmm. the series like you know like um this is something that we were told that, like, it takes the strongest titan to do yeah. normally, and he's doing it. Like, that's... Is it Artemis who says, like, only Annabeth could only do it because she had the yeah. spirit of a true hunter? Yes. They're both so powerful. Carter, you wrote in the notes, he said Legends Only. Did, oh, he he, did, he really did say Legends Only. Although, of course, in the context of this book, Legends also includes Luke and Annabeth because they also both shoulder the burden. But that's um, neither here nor there. It They're still is legends. legends Only. Yeah. <laughs> They're all legends. Um... um God, what a good moment. I That makes me so hyped for the Disney yes. Plus show. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We also um, then following this, get this like super cool sequence of like Zoe and Artemis fighting side by side yes. against Atlas. Oh, oh God. We women. love strong mentor relationships. Oh, incredible. Um, and we also, I think this battle with Luke and Talia is so freaking epic. Yes. Oh my God. It's insane. Like they are equally matched. For the most part. Yeah. For the most, like Luke isn't scared of the shield. They get to the edge of the cliff. Talia like gets the upper hand. She's like cornering Luke to the edge of the cliff. She has her spear at his throat. And Annabeth is like, no. Don't kill him. Don't kill Which him. Which Talia probably wasn't going to do. Although Talia is like mad. Like in this moment, Talia is furious she's like he's a traitor mm. like she is feeling she, her feelings right honestly, now yeah honestly i shouldn't have said that we don't know what she's about to do and this is like no don't kill him and in that moment luke is like tries to basically like take advantage of her distraction to like maybe kill her um yeah. and talia knocks him off the edge of the cliff oh is he dead oh my god he almost certainly must be dead at this point right 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 uh, there's so many loaded moments in this <laughs> battle we can't i don't want to stop for all of them but like annabeth mm-hmm. literally are you kidding me it. girl god like, damn it <laughs> girl okay come on we we all <laughs> we are all weak but like in this moment really still still you're like don't kill luke he can change in this very moment and <sighs> i just i just think it speaks 
it's it speaks to the spirit within all of us that um, we have inherited yes. from media and all kinds of things that we have to continue to fix these broken white men. And I don't, I, I don't know. It it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts me to see Annabeth say that because I know that mm-hmm. we are all burdened with this complex, um, except for apparently some people. Yep. <laughs> some people who have come on the show and say that they don't feel anything about Luke and I I, I keep meaning to ask them how how did you escape that envious. how did you yeah I'm envious of that but I just think it's so important to <laughs> remember that Annabeth yeah. still is like no we can fix Luke also you know once we get to this in Last Olympian like she continues to think this we need to unpack we'll the lessons keep opportunities that we for accountability open is, is yes. what we'll say for right now I would also like to, like, for those of you struggling with these issues at home, I highly recommend the poetry of Sarah Kay. I think it's a very useful resource oh, in, in navigating wow. these things. Please, please, yeah. please be very critical of this trope within yourself. He curled himself <laughs> into a question mark around you. Yes. Uh, Specifically, you are not the, type. the answer. And um, Annabeth, point B. You are not the answer. Talia in this moment is like, I am not the answer. Yes. I am not metaphor. I am not. I'm not going to pretend to quote Sarah I can't K. believe it I, took us like 13 episodes to quote Sarah Kay on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to we my signed there. copy of No Matter the Wreckage that is a foot away from me on my bookshelf right now. <laughs> anyway. Artemis um, also defeats Atlas. That's worth celebrating. <laughs> Atlas, the most powerful titan. women. Defeated by someone who is in the guise of like a 13-year-old girl. That's cool. Does not physically overpower him, but tricks him because he's too proud and certain that he's going to defeat her. And like basically like tricks him into reshouldering the burn of the sky that's cool that's an ironic twist artemis is smarter than him and better than him excellent at this point um zoe is like injured very dying perhaps artemis like runs to her side and then mr chase iconic iconic moment for him as well Mm -hmm. flies in on his sop with camel um shooting what appears to be celestial bronze bullets at the princess andromeda army giving us mad scientist um giving us uh deus ex machina um and to like once that happens um all of them are able to escape onto artemis's moon chariot and yeah. Mr. Chase like flies in the sky along with them. It's a beautiful image. And they, yeah, they they go over to like a nearby field, um, and like basically to just regroup and be like, Zoe is dying. Yeah. Which again, like the prophecy let us know that this would happen. Zoe always knew, or was probably fairly certain that this was going to happen. One will perish with parents' hand, and she knew that her father was going to be like sort of their ultimate enemy in this quest. And yeah, yeah. I think I think it's time for a, a, reading. a reading. All right. This is at the very bottom of page 277. She saw Talia and took her hand. I am sorry we argued, Zoe said. We could have been sisters. It's my fault, Talia said, blinking hard. You were right about Luke, about heroes, men, everything. Perhaps not all men, Zoe murmured. She smiled weakly at me. Do you still have the sword, Percy? I couldn't speak, but I brought out Riptide and put the pen in her hand. She grasped it contentedly. You spoke the truth, Percy Jackson. You were nothing like like Hercules. I am honored that you carry this sword. A shudder ran through her body. Zoe, I said, stars, she whispered. I can see the stars again, my lady. A tear trickled down Artemis's cheek. Yes, my brave one, they are beautiful tonight. Stars, Zoe repeated, her eyes fixed on the night sky. And she did not move again. Oh my God. 
<laughs> Tell me why I've been moved to tears like thrice during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is such a moment. I forgot that she literally says the phrase, not all men. That perhaps has not aged the best, but also we do need to... <laughs> in this um, moment, in this moment. <laughs> in this moment, maybe we feel it. Maybe we're like, Percy, Percy has gone above and beyond to prove himself as the singular exception oh my god she literally takes the cursed blade and is like you can hold this i forgive you and therefore all men in this moment like before i die anyway i the mentorship the relationship with talia oh my god like her talia being like no i am sorry yeah zoe isn't like begging talia to become her lieutenant you know Mm -hmm. uh, to become her replacement in this moment um Mm -hmm. spoiler but like she's like no like it's okay yeah and Percy, like, I give you my blessing to be a much better hero than the men who have come before you. <sighs> Put it on him. Yes. Now he can't, ha- now he doesn't have a choice. He has to be better. <laughs> also, just the relationship between Artemis and Zoe is such a special and cool thing because it does yes. show us that yes. the gods, when we're making this choice about saving the gods or, or whatnot, like, the gods are not a monolith. They're very, very different from one another. And Artemis represents this branch of Olympians that has an entire different vision and philosophy of the world and way of interacting with Mm -hmm. humans and and other creatures. Like, uh, isn't Zoe actually not technically a human? She's an nymph. Yeah, Yeah. she's technically a nymph. Yeah, exactly. So just like these, might I say, pluralities of godly, divine interaction with various beings like non-hierarchical um that's based upon a mutual respect Mm -hmm. um yeah no we love that gods typically you know gods titans alike typically disrespect the heck out of nymphs like we know Mm -hmm. this like there are just thousands and thousands of nymphs they are almost like disposable some of them are more powerful some of them are lame and they just like don't really ever get a seat at the table they don't they are just not respected they're thought of as like frivolous like women whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah i I agree it's very special grateful for the mentors in our lives yes Uh, also want to shout out real quick we mentioned this for Bianca, we're just going to mention it very briefly again. The kill your gaze trope, particularly applied to queer women, particularly applied to queer women who have just self-actualized. Mm. J- j- just something to think about in a yeah. little bit of discomfort. At least Zoe has been self-actualized for 2,000 years. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Just, just, just wanting to fully mourn the loss of like Zoe at the peak of our appreciation of her. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we have to mention the fact that Zoe becomes a constellation in the sky. Mm-hmm. Love. Mm. Magical incredible oh i feel it in my stomach as usual the pegasi pegasi is the latin version not important um, they fly out of there as usual we have this like journey conversation annabeth and uh, like let's not gloss over this annabeth and personally finally back together after this entire book which is honestly like only a couple days but basically the entire book being mm-hmm. apart feels like it feels like forever it's been hard for me personally um <laughs> annabeth and percy kind of go over annabeth's family and they have this conversation in lines with like what we were sort of confused about percy's like they seem nice and annabeth is like what you think i was lying about everything that i said which is interesting and percy's like it looked like maybe she wasn't sure if she was which i like i don't want to call annabeth a liar like we mentioned but it is it is interesting annabeth is kind of reconsidering what her experience was as a little kid when she did run away from home but annabeth Mm -hmm they talk they they continue talking and Annabeth is like Luke isn't dead you know like I can feel it I don't know how to explain it but I can tell that he's not dead just like you could tell with me 
Percy! Oh, oh my god. Stings. That one stings. Oh, a moment almost girl, as bad girl. as when Percy saw her greatest fantasy and it was Luke. Fantasy <laughs> monsters. Where's Annabeth's female mentorship? Let's sit with that, huh? Like, exactly. That, well, that's why she's thinking about joining the hunters. Like, she knows. She knows she's out of place. You know, she knows she needs help. But yeah, that moment it hurts me. Oh. Going back to yeah, we're not. Gonna, it, it, it does hurt. That one. That one. That one cuts deep. Just looking at her and being like, "We we've been there. We've been there." And we, you you need you need you need some advice. You need, you need help. You need an elder to um literally sit with you through this. Literally, and Percy is like, "That didn't feel good." <laughs> I just spent this entire book trying to get you back, and you are like. Where's Luke? <laughs> but also, it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, Percy, sit down. You may have just been given a blessing to be the greatest male hero of all time, but also, but sit also down. sit down. Is Percy <laughs> as hot as Luke at this point? It's still debatable. Luke is looking weird. Percy's looking maybe better, but <laughs> but oh my god, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. We, I, I can't. I need a moment. I'm sorry. This is. I was thinking it this whole time, but I didn't. I'm so glad I didn't have to be the one to say it. Luke is looking dank. Luke is looking nasty. <laughs> and Percy just held up the sky. So, Annabeth but like girl. Luke is looking nasty in a way that also totally fulfills the tropes. Where Luke is moving from like bad boy who is like interesting older role model to like bad boy of like I need to Washed save up. you. You are broken, Draco, washed up. Prince I can fix era. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Important for like the literary canon though that we engage with both of these tropes and Oof. the ways that they overlap and intersect. Yeah, woof. Can't wait for Luke's glow up. It's coming very soon. Literally. Okay. Mm. <laughs> this Ugh, is really, Annabeth. really packed. The last third of Titans course were massively going to be over time. This entire That's book is fine. really packed. It deserves it. <laughs> if any book deserves extra long episodes, it is this one. Ugh. Let's take a quick break so that we can sit with our feelings. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Okay. Now that we've processed that, we we've arrived on the Pegasi to Olympus, right in time for the winter solstice big meeting that we've heard about. This is the council of the gods. Wow, that's exciting. Um, this is exciting. I love it this. It honestly moment. is. Yeah, this is super cool. All this the is power concentrated in the room. Movies, films, etc. Like these specific moments of like grandiose yes. world building. Yes. Everyone is twenty feet tall. We're seeing Percy specifically all of the gods. mentions here. Yeah, like like I saw the run before, but it's like not the same. This is like the most iconic, grand, powerful. This is Do we have any ideas for for casting the gods? By the way, like oh who God, is Athena? So far over time, if we oh, end up in that run, okay. is, is <laughs> Athena like Kate Blanchett? Is all that I'll drop? Oh, I'm not mad at that. Whoa. I'm not remotely mad at that. You both know that I'm scared of Kate Blanchett on a weird level, but, <laughs> but she could also Kate Blanchett could also go to the other end of her career and then be Hera. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very true. Oh, shout out to Phyllis Schlafly. A terrifying Phyllis Schlafly <laughs> hair. I mean, Kate Blanchett is not going to be in a Disney Plus series, of course, but let's, yeah. Let's, you don't know let's that. Um, you don't know. Beyonce was just in a Disney Plus work. Everyone, now the bar is increased. I mean, Kate Blanchett like played like Hela um, in like Thor Ragnarok recently. So that's like also like a mythological figure. That was Kate Blanchett? Um, yeah. What the frog? <laughs> I'm gonna no answer way. Titus Burgess's question. Kate Blanchett is good. She's not just tall. Like she, she's range. Wait, <laughs> I was. That explains why I was so freaking scared that entire time I was watching that movie. I think she would be a good Athena, though. Like that. That's cool. I'll have to marinate with that. Shout out to Taika. Yeah. Again, my dream director for the series. Yes, this is the first time we're seeing Hera, Demeter, Hephaestus. Hades isn't there, obviously. No, th- this is weird. This is like he's supposed to be there. The Winter Solstice is the only time that Hades is supposed to oh, be there. Really? He's not. And th- I think this is. I think that this is basically being like a plot hole. That I, I, I've never heard a satisfactory explanation for why Hades is not present at this meeting. But it's oh, fine. interesting. Yeah, as you wrote, like Hestia is also not there. As she would be like tending the hearth. Um, yeah, maybe she was, and she just yeah. was unnoticed. I guess in this respect, we can save her to truly be the the last Olympian we meet. <gasps> uh, uh. Okay. Oh, oh. Uh, that was okay. a fat <laughs> spoiler, Carter. That was like <laughs> that is a huge spoiler. Okay, um, they 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 have this ridiculous conversation that occurs here, where the gods are like, "Should we blast these heroes to bits?" Slash Bessie, um, mm-hmm. and they like go around and I like they're about to vote, and Percy's like, "No." stop like pause you cannot kill the ophiotaurus because it's literally wrong mm-hmm. sacrificing an innocent creature like that is wrong if you yeah. are doing that then what is what is worth saving like the gods suck there's nothing that stands between them and the titans as far as moral judgment goes well okay <laughs> I, I don't know if we would go that far i mean like like as they're having this conversation like artemis steps up big time for them and is basically just like i know that some of you want to murder these people but i think that that's a bad idea and poseidon yes. also like it takes convincing but ends up stepping up and like makes a like passionate defense in a way that we're led to believe is like actually kind of high stakes for his relationship with zeus which we know is kind of shaky i need to take it back i every time i'm talking about the gods sucking i honestly just mean zeus like zeus it's sucks. like mostly like zeus sucks and like yeah. some other subset of them I, I, I do think that there's something to like the gods being perhaps like a centrist incrementalist vision whereas the titans are like an anarchist chaos there's like definitely like a way in which like we 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 like see this as a model to me of saying like the gods like have potential to be good it's just that like the idea that the gods are inevitably good or that like you do not need to like push them and like yeah that like activist work is not necessary to like make good (laughs) on the promise of olympus is false you don't just pick a side you pick your side and then you like dig in and you're like this side needs to step it up amen amen to that (laughs) carter dig your heels in and ask for more wherever you may stand okay yes so um they, they they have this conversation um i think it's interesting athena sort of offers up the fact that like the wise choice is to kill the ophiotaurus and also low-key percy um and then they're like well are you gonna vote for that and athena's like i don't pass judgment i only point out the risk what we end up doing um the council must yeah. decide that there's so much in that but like she's like ultimate in her position she's basically just saying like this is like objectively the correct choice but like i can't force you to make it because i also like believe in like whatever like deliberative democracy very western civilization um, best perhaps not to overly idolize athena because yes she is powerful and badass and everything Mm -hmm. but 
she's also the goddess of war, which I think a lot of us forget because you yes. know, we think of that as Ares' domain, like that and Ares is this really masculine, very clear, violent way in which we hate war, but the kind of quote unquote civilized, civilized but brutal calculus of the strategic approach to war that Athena encapsulates is also very violent in its and own way. And we don't way. love that. That's not a cute look. <laughs> Percy successfully convinces them not to murder him slash Theophiotaurus. They, they don't like um, um, make those two distinctions discreet in the vote, which is like really interesting to me. <laughs> that like the, at the end, they're like, we'll just say both of them. Is that okay? And then some people vote against it. And it's unclear, like, do they vote to kill Percy as well? <laughs> Some people abstain, which is interesting. The the only people we get is like not voting in favor of the judgment to save Percy and the Ophiotaros are Athena, Ares, and Dionysus. That's really important. And those are like because those are are three gods that we get to know really well, and those decisions are like, Uh, how do we how do we live with them after after these decisions to like murder innocents and like yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um Annabeth is about to like say something and Percy is like, wait, Annabeth. Or, or Artemis is like, I Annabeth, like I still want you. And Percy is like, wait, no, I um ah ah. And Annabeth is like, what? And then uh, Talia is like, I will become Artemis's attendant. And we're like, um, yes. <laughs> thank God. Like I think we see this coming at this point. It makes sense. It's good writing. <laughs> she yeah, it makes sense. She is taking over for Zoe. As we've said, they are two halves of the same whole kind of. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yes, um. Yes. She becomes immortal and thus basically leaving the prophecy to Percy because it's also a decision that is sort of like uh, uh, responsible on a larger level that the war is not going to happen in two days from now. Yeah. She will not be the child of the prophecy, passing it back to Percy. And then there's a big Olympian party. Yeah. Percy Percy, um, and Poseidon have like their basically yearly roundup. Um, <laughs> shout out to parenting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where, like, you know, like, uh, there, there's, like, some catching up, there's some stuff that's, like, vaguely wholesome, but, like, key tidbit here is the Poseidon basically being, like, the princess Andromeda's fine, and Luke is alive. Like, Annabeth told you this, and you should have believed her, um, because she's right. Luke is alive. And Poseidon's sort of like, Luke, I, no one really understands. That's, that's wild. But also, like, Poseidon gives this, like, really, um, fascinating bit of backstory about Luke's relationship to Hermes, and mm. Poseidon basically, Poseidon's position on this is more or less bit, like just like don't judge the gods too harshly because like a lot of them like his thing on Percy is basically like, Hermes like really like tried. Hermes like loved Luke, was so proud of him, and and things went wrong. Stuff. Yeah, and da that's complicated. What does that mean for Percy's relationship with Poseidon? Because like, God. <laughs> um, and then uh, Percy chats with Athena. And frankly, we're just going to read this because it's important to us and full of a lot of information. I found myself face to face with a gray eyed woman who looked so much like Annabeth, I almost called her that. Athena. I tried not to sound resentful after the way she'd ridden me off in the council, but I guess I didn't hide it very well. She smiled dryly. Do not judge me too harshly, Half Blood. Wise counsel is not always popular, but I spoke the truth. You are dangerous. You never take risks? She nodded. I concede the point. You may perhaps be useful, and yet your fatal flaw may destroy us as well as yourself. My heart crept into my throat. A year ago, Annabeth and I had talked about fatal flaws. Every hero had one. Hers, she said, was pride. She believed she could do anything, like holding up the world, for instance, or saving Luke. But I didn't really know what mine was. Athena looked almost sorry for me. Kronos knows your flaw, even if you do not. He knows how to study his enemies. Think, Percy. 
How's he manipulated you? First, your mother was taken from you. Then your best friend, Grover. And now my daughter, Annabeth. She paused, disapproving. In each case, your loved ones have been used to lure you into Kronos' traps. Your fatal flaw is personal loyalty, Percy. You do not know when it is time to cut your losses. To save a friend, you would sacrifice the world. In a hero of the prophecy, that is very, very dangerous. I balled my fists. That's not a flaw, just because I want to help my friends. The most dangerous flaws are those which are good in moderation, she said. Evil is easy to fight. Lack of wisdom. That is very hard indeed. I wanted to argue, but I found I couldn't. Athena was pretty darn smart. I hope the council's decisions prove wise, Athena said. But I will be watching, Percy Jackson. I do not approve of your friendship with my daughter. I do not think it is wise for either of you. And should you begin to waver in your loyalties? She fixed me with her cold gray stare, and I realized what a terrible enemy Athena would make. Ten times worse than Ares or Dionysus, or maybe even my father. Athena would never give up. She would never do something rash or stupid just because she hated you. And if she made a plan to destroy you, it would not fail. Percy, Annabeth said, running through the crowd. She stopped short when she saw who I was talking to. Oh, mom. I will leave you, Athena said, for now. She turned and strode through the crowds, which parted before her as if she were carrying Aegis. Oh my god! We just said don't don't idolize Athena, but like, but also on. this conversation. I do not approve of your relationship with my daughter. <laughs> That's the most important line. Yeah, <laughs> amen. <laughs> Shout it! Like we were like, where's Annabeth's mentor? Oh, it's Athena. Like <laughs> we know that Athena is looking out for Annabeth. We've mentioned it. Before, I do think like, also this is a you know in terms of things that we bring up in other series and TV shows as parallels. This is very much. Mm-hmm. Atla moment, um, attachment versus non-attachment, attachment to your friends, to messy human affairs, to loved ones versus like strategic choices that are technically the most powerful, um, strongest, wisest. Yes. And where our our lovable male protagonist is going to choose love. (laughs) Yes. We've had this conversation before about like the like love is victory, like trope being like useful in Percy as a way of like differentiating from like more classical notions of heroism Mm -hmm. but also being a little like us wanting to also problematize what it means to be like that like if you'll forgive me like shonen genre hero um (laughs) where like love like love is power is used in like as a crutch instead of like preparation or experience or used to sideline like female characters who like for some reason like don't have love as power or like it's yeah. unclear, like, why they couldn't also, like, succeed by the same axiom. And it's just, yeah. Anyway. Um, Percy and Annabeth have matching gray streaks in their hair. This is an iconic Persebeth imagery. Very iconic. Um, yes. It's been argued that it sort of fades out in later books when, like, Rick kind of just forgets or gets tired of writing it. But it's there for the next several books. There forever in my mind. <laughs> Percy's like, I think I owe you a dance. Ah! Percy asks after not knowing who to ask at the beginning of the book. And, and, and Annabeth's like, hashtag all right, seaweed brain. Um, and then they dancing. And as they would mention, like the music of the muses sounds different to everyone. And Percy in his head, he says, it sounded like a slow dance, a little sad, but a little hopeful too. Oh, Aww. my heart is breaking. Um, all right. And then we get the wrap up. We get the wrap up, classic wrap FaceTimes up. FaceTimes with everyone who we haven't heard from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, as we do in life. FaceTimes with Tyson. FaceTimes with mom. She's happy with Paul, with Blowfist. And Percy is like, you know, in spite of everything that I've witnessed on this quest about the the danger of, of relationships and all of these kinds of things, he's like, I believe in love and I want you to be happy and all of that stuff. So keep it up with Paul, mom. It's yeah. not my choice also. 
there's a very curious invocation of Aphrodite in there that like I feel is not textually consistent with the way that we high key like are terrified of Aphrodite and like don't like her, but that's that's fine. Yes. Tyson yeah. also tells us in his face time he's coming to Cap next summer. So we should expect that Tyson will be on our quest in the next Tyson is going to be back. Yes. Annabeth and Percy are together. Annabeth, like, there's a, oh, there's this moment. Annabeth smiles at Percy. And Percy's like, why am I thinking of Rachel right now? And I just, Carter, you wrote Abolish men. Abolish men. <laughs> God damn it. about that. Abolish men. I, after all of this, are you kidding once. me? How dare he? <laughs> How dare he? Again, let's place that blame on Percy. How dare he? Play I squarely on Percy's shoulders. <laughs> so we, we got this little council meeting of like the campers who are here with Chiron. Um, we know that we've got two years before the final battle. Percy is like, this quest is mine. I take it upon myself. It's my 16th birthday. Yeah. So we have two years. So we know what's going to go on. So the stakes are high, but also like we, we know that the next book is going to be a breathing yeah. point of some sort, which is very exciting setup. What's going to happen? Yeah. We don't know yet. Um, Chiron's also like terrified at this point. He's like, ah, you're, mm, I don't know about you. Chiron looks old, um, all kinds of old. stuff. There's going to be an attack on Camp Half-Blood soon, yes. so that's also really scary. Hashtag Battle of Hogwarts. Clarice has been working on something. Clarice has been working on something. Oh my god, everything yes. is so also exciting. Also important from the next book, yeah. They were like, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> and then we have the final like cliffhanger, cliffhanger moment of this book. Absolutely epic. Nico comes running into this meeting. Where's my sister? He, he doesn't take the news well. Percy, Percy like walks him out just the two of them delivers the news and Nico does not take it while he's upset. He doesn't understand. He blames Percy. And in this process, like part of what complicates it is that like the uh, zombie cops who again have been chasing Percy this whole time show back up because, you know, Percy's still here. We never resolved that thread um, because no one can kill them except for Bianca who killed one that one time. And huh. um, Nico's Nico looks at this and is sort of like, Oh, is maybe this is a setup. Maybe you're trying to kill me the way that you killed Bianca. He's oh. mad. He's confused. And then Nico opens up the ground to swallow them all up. Runs what? away. And it is immediately apparent to us that who is, who, who's the godly parent for Nico and the Bianca? The statue that is lying on the ground. The statue Bianca collected lying on the ground. Him. The last one in Nico's collection. It's Hades. Lord of the dead. Oh my God. I have goosebumps every time. Nico like runs into the freaking woods. He's um, alone by himself. Terrifying. He's a 10 year old. He's so young. We just saw how young he is. He, yes. he basically threw a fit. Like, um, yeah. understandable. Obviously his sister's dead, but yeah. uh, Nico, it cuts to like Percy, Annabeth, Grover. They're looking for him um, and they can't find him and they decide not to tell anyone what they know. Yeah. Even though the stakes of this are huge. Nico yeah. is another child of the big three who can control the prophecy. But Percy, yes. in a very important moment, again, says, no, yeah. this is my prophecy. I will be the person. And he doesn't do it in selfish, I'm the chosen one way. He says, no, this is going to, I'm not going to put that on him. It I will be me. to him, yeah. And they make this weird, questionable decision to not tell Chiron, to not tell anyone. Again, we know Chiron has like weird relationships with what he's, what responsibilities he has to people who are children as opposed to adults. Yeah, anyway. so maybe they're protect- and they are protecting him. Like if he, knew- they are definitely protecting him. Yeah, yeah, because once he knows who he is, he will be powerful, etc. But they're like, well, we're just gonna leave it at that. Um, <laughs> nothing we can do about it now. We've got two years before the war. We have to find Nico. Annabeth is gonna go back to San Francisco, give it another shot with her family, which is mm-hmm. lovely. So we know that she's been doing some internal work. Obviously, again, there's this moment for Persebeth where um, they both almost admit their feelings, um, and then they don't. Grover that's comes an interesting way to in. read that <laughs> really is that not how you read that i think you're right i mean i think you're right i just like yeah 
they're about to have like a moment again um just like percy's moment earlier um on olympus and then grover runs in and is like out of breath grover's freaking out we haven't we really don't talk about grover enough but grover comes running in and the cliffhanger ending is that pan has spoken to him he has said the words i await you Ooh. looks like a good intermittent quest while we have a book before the final battle so <laughs> maybe it'll have something to do with clarice's secret mission and also Nico. And also further complicating Annabeth and her relationship with Luke. And also Percy and his relationship with Rachel. Yes. Oh, wow. We've got a lot. Lots to do. We've got a lot. Lots to do. Let's just check back in real quick with you, Julia. Um, this has been an epic book for Percy, like coming of age, stepping into his I'm going to be a better manhood. Um, and also the power of love, as we discussed. Um, and although we don't get much like Percy and Annabeth together, do you still believe that this is this is perhaps the greatest love story ever told? After Titan's Curse, more than ever. I mean, they held up the sky together. What more can you say? <laughs> they held up the Excellent sky together. Answer. Okay. <laughs> um, and we've got a timeline now. The stakes are high, but everything is stalled. Like we mentioned, um, Luke is not dead. He's getting more powerful. Cronus is getting more powerful. Um, and we just saw how much the gods kind of suck on Olympus. Some of them. The heroes do all the work. Um, we saw Talia versus Luke, like the ideologies, like clashing. Um, do you think... Do you think that this war that we're about to wage is, like, worth it? Yes, because we're also choosing then Artemis and the Hunters, and, you know, they're a whole part of that, too. So from from that perspective, yes. Yeah, you're right. The Hunters are part of Olympus. They're part of Western civilization. Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining us again for this lovely end of our favorite book. We love you so much. Thank you for having me for the best book and um yeah i guess we can cut out that that cats portion which is probably no, good for everyone keep that in. no it's important we need to keep reference we're trying to reference a diverse canon so yes cats it is <laughs> see you all later bye